We're ready to go. New Hope Radio. So glad you joined me today. We're in a series entitled Women Jesus Met. Today we're going to see the woman they wanted to kill. The religious crowd of Jesus' day, you know they dedicated themselves to the ousting, even the destruction of Jesus? Like, what's wrong with them? Instead of realizing the good news that he was preaching, you know what they did? They felt threatened by the very same words. I'm like, how'd that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. They didn't know how to listen. It's the way it works when you don't know how to listen. Time and again, they asked him questions, trying to prove him a fake. Or they tried to humiliate him in public. But you know what? Every attempt failed. But these guys, they wouldn't give up. Oh, they wouldn't stop. It's like the headache that keeps coming back. <laughs> I got one of those. If you have one of those, it just keeps coming back. That's what these guys are like. They were the Pharisees. The religious leaders of Jesus' day. Well, we're going to see what they did with this woman. Oh, they wanted a killer in the name of religion. Wow. Okay, so we got these Pharisees, right? And they sent officers to arrest Jesus. But Jesus spoke in such a way. <laughs> you know You know what they said when they heard him? Oh, man, never has a man spoke the way this man speaks. And they went back to the Pharisees, and they told them. And the Pharisees said to them, You guys have been led astray. What is wrong with you? And, but they came to Jesus' defense. See, there always were people that did defend Jesus. And one of those guys was Nicodemus. And he came and he, he spoke on Jesus' behalf to the people that wanted to kill him. He said, Our Lord does not judge a man unless at first he is from him and knows what he's doing, does it? John seven fifty one. But these Pharisees, these guys, man, they are relentless. And it, they just wanted another showdown with Jesus. And you know what? We get to John chapter 8. Here comes the showdown. It opens up with an early morning teaching session by Jesus. Many people came out to hear him. It's a wonderful morning, a beautiful day. And then we get to verse 2. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people were coming to him. Oh, yeah. And he sat down. And he began to teach them. Oh, the scribes and the Pharisees, you know what they did? They brought a woman caught in adultery. Oh. And they set her down right in the center of the court, right outside. And the law stated that the man and the woman should be punished in Leviticus 20. But they only brought the woman. Oh. How do religious professionals catch a woman in the act of adultery? Hmm, peeping toms? <laughs> what were they doing? So these Pharisees, they were not looking at this woman as a person, but as a tool. And what is a tool? 
but something you use to get a job done. Right? To them, she had no name, no personality, no feelings. She was just a pawn in the game that they were playing to discredit Jesus. And you know, people do that. I'll talk to the ladies for a second. Don't let them use you. Don't let men use you as pawns. Don't do it. They're out there. They're out there. They're dirty rats. And they just use people for what they can get. Be smart. Be sharp. Okay. So, they wanted to trap Jesus with this woman. And yet, you know, the minute people become things, the spirit of Christianity is dead. Yeah. People are not things. People are not tools. People are individuals with value made in the image of God. (laughs) That's what they are. So they brought this woman. They didn't see her as a person of value, except to their own scheme. And then they challenged Jesus using Moses. Let me tell you, if you're going to try to trip up Jesus, man, don't use the Bible. Are you kidding? He is the Bible. He's the Bible man. So in verse 4, they said to him, Teacher, this woman right here, she's been caught in adultery. In the very act. Hmm. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? Now, all eyes are on Jesus. And they were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. See, people went to Jesus for one or two reasons. They went to Jesus because they wanted to listen to the things he said that would set them free. But other people went and listened to Jesus so they could use the things that he said to make him a prisoner, to trip him up. And people are like that today too. Not much difference. I like that today. So this whole scene, it wasn't about catching the woman. It was about catching Jesus. You know, Jesus lived his life three years, right? And it was like somebody always trying to catch him. They distorted his his words. They fabricated the things that he did. They even lied about him. Imagine going through life and there's a giant part of your society, they just have, they have it in for you. They have it in for you. And that's what they did with Jesus. Now, so they're outside the temple. They're in the court. Now, this temple court was very large and was usually the place of unrest among the Jews. I think it might have been the court of the women because the court of the women was a place where men and women could go. And there was also a Roman guard station there because there was a lot of activity, and they were there to prevent any kind of insurrection or chaos. You know, the Romans were always fearful of the Jews rising up, and they, that, it was legitimate because there was this group called the Zealots, and these were like the, this was like the Jewish militia. They were patriots, and they were just, they were like freedom fighters, and they were against the Romans, and a lot of the guys you saw crucified on the side of the roads, These were the zealots. 
These were the guys that the Romans caught. And they were guilty of insurrection. And they put them up on a cross and say, see those guys? You want that to happen to you? You better not make any trouble. Because you'll be up there too. And that made people think twice about yeah, rising up against Rome. Right. So there was always a Roman gods stationed here and there. And there were some in the court as well. Now, in the minds of the Pharisees, Jesus had but two options to respond. They thought they really backed him into a corner. Option number one, he could choose Moses. And what did Moses say in the law? Stone her. But then the soldiers would move in. Wait a minute, that would be chaos. That would be anarchy. The soldiers might move in. And uh, remember in John 18, 31, when Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate said to them, take this man yourselves and judge him according to your own law. But the Jews said, we're not permitted to put anyone to death. So like, wait a minute. How are they going to stone this woman then if they weren't allowed to put anyone to death? They probably wanted Jesus to go through a real torturous time under the hands of the Romans. So Jesus could have said, okay, let's go the way of Moses and we're going to do what the law says and we're going to bury her with rocks. Or he could have gone the way of Rome and let her go and neglect the law. And if he neglected the law, then he would appear to be a coward. And he would say, see, he's disobedient to the law. He's going against Moses. But let me tell you, you cannot catch Jesus with his own word. I'm like, are you kidding me? So in verse 6, Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Now, no one knows what Jesus wrote. But I can tell you how to find out. I can tell you how to find out what Jesus wrote on the ground. You know how? Ask him when you see him. <laughs> That's it. When you see him in heaven, Jesus, by the way, remember when they brought that woman and you wrote on the ground? What did you write? You'll, you'll find out then. I'm sure he'll tell you. But Jesus, he didn't choose Moses and he didn't choose the way of the Romans. You know what he did? Oh, he chose the conscience. That's what he he chose the conscience. That's the way to get to someone. Verse 7, when they persisted in asking him, oh, he straightened up. Oh, first he was writing on the ground. Now he's getting up. And he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. In other words, people, don't just look at her. Look at yourselves. Look at you. Wow. You know, there's a time we all have to do that, especially if we're judging another person. Look at yourself. Sometimes we get a little high and mighty because we don't look at ourselves enough. Or maybe we don't listen to ourselves enough. And if we listen to ourselves enough, we'll realize, ooh, I didn't know I sounded like that. Wow. Or if we look at ourselves, I didn't know I acted like that. Oh. So we need to sometimes take inventory. 
of ourselves. And that's basically what Jesus is doing here. He was getting people <clears throat> to take inventory of themselves. You want a stoner? Fine. But who's, whoever has never sinned, you get the first shot. See, the Jewish culture, it wasn't so much about right and wrong as much as it was about shame and honor. A disobedient child would not be told, that's wrong. You know what they would be told? Shame on you. If someone came out from the crowd to cast the first stone, they would be shamed for they knew the words of Isaiah. And what did Isaiah say, the prophet? In chapter 53, verse 6, he said, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And be like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me, Isaiah. I have sinned too. Oh, this woman got caught in sin. I've got sin. I'm no better than her. i got my own deal, my own issues I have to fix. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7, in verse 20, he said, indeed. <laughs> I like that part. Indeed. There is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. Solomon, right? The wisest man. Smartest Sam. <clears throat> he said that. And they grew up with the scriptures. They knew. Oh, yeah. See, Jesus knows how to speak to the conscience. And he doesn't guilt us. He just he lets the conscience do its work. And that's why if you have a hard heart like the Rock of Gibraltar, the conscience is not going to do its work. But if you stay humble, the conscience will lead you and guide you and show you, watch out, there's danger over there. Watch out for the rocks over there. Here's the way you want to go. Here's the safe way. God has given us the gift of a conscience. Animals don't have a conscience. They have instinct. They don't have a conscience. Dogs don't have a conscience, right? You ever see a dog on someone's lawn? They're like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> That's like the look on their face, right? A dog is doing his duty on somebody's lawn, and he's looking at you like, yeah, so? <laughs> he's not embarrassed. He has no conscience. None. So Jesus, he told them, Whoever doesn't have sin, you cast the first stone. Then verse 8. Oh, again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Again. I wonder what he wrote this time. Well, when you see him, you can ask him. But the people were stunned. They didn't know what to do. Usually in situations like this, the people turned to the older folks to see what they would do. Now, all eyes go from being on Jesus to the older folks. Here's what happened. Verse 9. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. See, the older ones, I guess, have more wisdom, right? It's the way it's supposed to be. As we get older, we should become wiser. How you doing with that? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder how I'm doing with it. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't think I'm getting any wiser. I know I'm getting older. 
I don't know if I'm getting any wiser, but I'm supposed to be. We all are, right? With age comes wisdom. So at least here, the older ones, they started to leave, and then the younger ones followed, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the court. You know, the center of the court, that's like a place of embarrassment and attention. All eyes were on her, then all eyes were on Jesus, then all eyes were on the crowd, the older ones, and now everybody, now everybody's gone. While they were leaving, Jesus is writing in the sand again. And it's not what he wrote that's important, but you know what's important? Why he wrote. Why was Jesus writing in the sand as the crowd was leaving? I would say, because he takes no pleasure in the wicked. That's why. He takes no pleasure in the wicked. He chooses not to watch them leave in their own public humiliation. See, Jesus doesn't twist the knife when it's in their back. He doesn't rejoice in someone else's iniquity. He's not an I told you so kind of a God. He's not. We see that in the story of the prodigal son. When the son came back home, the father didn't say, I told you so. I told you not to take your inheritance. I told you not to leave. No. He just welcomed them back. And he loved them. And he embraced them. And he celebrated. You know, I, I told you so never really accomplishes anything good. It really doesn't. It just puts like salt in the wound. So if that's part of your vocabulary, I would say that's a good one to remove. No need to say anything like that. Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Isn't that an incredible test of your Christian life? And Jesus wouldn't do it. Jesus wasn't like, huh, I guess I won that showdown. No, he doesn't rejoice in that. I think it saddens him. It saddens him to know that people are so heartless and callous. And when he beats them at their own game, he doesn't take joy in that because he wishes he never played. He wished he didn't have to play their game. But they continued to challenge him over and over and over. But don't you fall into that either. Don't fall into the game of the hard-hearted one, of the callous one. So now we're in the courtyard. It's empty. Courtyard is empty. And Jesus knows that what he did for this woman, a woman he didn't even know himself, it's going to heighten the hatred of those who hate him. Yeah. So in verse 10, straightening up, he got up again. Jesus said to the woman, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Wow. Oh, is the grace of God. No wonder people wanted to be around Jesus. 
He had such a forgiving spirit. Isn't that a beautiful quality to work on? A forgiving spirit. You know, you can be a time bomb ready to go off or you can be a forgiving spirit. You can remember, yes, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Like Isaiah said, each one is going their own way. And when you understand that everybody's at fault, everybody has a backstory, everybody has a struggle, it's easier to forgive. That's what Jesus did. And then we see that Jesus is also the God of second chances. He said, go. And from now on, sin no more. He let her go. He didn't give her a speech. He didn't preach to her. He said, go. You're forgiven. But stay away from that sin. Don't let people use you as a tool See, when men commit adultery with women, they're just using the woman. Hear that, ladies? They're just using you. Don't do it. Summary. What can we glean from this event? Number one, let's look at the scribes and the Pharisees. With them, we see that the law matters more than people. Hmm. The law matters more than people. And that happened before. That happened all the time. Remember when Jesus, they said, you know, Jesus plucked corn on the Sabbath. It was Saturday. The disciples are hungry. And Jesus said, well, wait a minute. If, uh, if, uh, if your ox falls in a pit, don't you pull him out? Right? Can't you do good? With the scribes and the Pharisees, it was turf over truth. Hey, Jesus, man, you're invading our territory. You're on our turf now. There's no room for truth on our turf. Wow. You know anybody like that? There's no room for truth on my turf. (laughs) That's very common. Then we see the woman. The woman had no opportunity to tell her story. She didn't. No one gave her a chance to speak. It's like the ending is missing. Will what Jesus did for her, will that be life-changing? Is she going to walk away and heed the words of Jesus, or is she going to go back? Well, we're not asked to look at her, are we? We're asked to look at our own lives and internalize the account. See, it's not our business what she did, whether she abided in what Jesus said, or she went back. It doesn't matter. What matters is, how does, how does this affect us? We are the hearers. How does it affect our heart and our life? That's what really matters here. And then we've got the crowd. Oh, the crowd. They became convicted. And they all went home. That was good. Jesus hit it out of the park with that one. <laughs> right? They all went home. They dropped their stones. And they went home. And then, Jesus. What does this tell us about Jesus? That Jesus put himself on the line for this woman's sin. He did. He is courageous. As a matter of fact, he's courageous as the day before 
he was almost arrested by the Jews. But he went right back to the same place the next day. Jesus didn't, like, run from danger. Nothing could cause him to run. Like, nothing. See, Jesus, oh, he's the challenger. They think they're challenging him. No, he's the challenger. He challenged the crowd to look within themselves. He challenged the woman to change her ways. He offers the woman a costly demonstration of unexpected love, a picture of what he would do on the cross for all people. For all people. See, there's nowhere where Jesus condemns those that embrace him. And as a matter of fact, those that don't embrace him, it's not that he condemns them. They're already condemned. We are, here it comes, born condemned. We are. We are born alienated from the life of God. We're already on the road to destruction. And that's why we need to be born again. So what? so we can be brought near to God. And therefore, then, what Christ did on the cross, we receive the benefit of what? No condemnation. No condemnation. That's what we, we receive the benefit of. And we live, here it comes, the rest of our lives with that beautiful attitude, I am not condemned. That's it. That's your mental state for the rest of your life. You are not condemned. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Think about it. That is the best news that you'll ever hear. The best news I ever heard. I like it. I like it so much, I became a preacher of it. Hey, thank you for coming along today. I hope it meant something to you. Have you joined the whole club yet? What are you waiting for? Get a daily devotional in your email box Monday through Friday. Go to newhopecc.tv, click giving. Can you cough up three bucks a week to keep us on the air? Keep us on this fine station? Fill out the info, hit submit, and you'll get the emails Monday through Friday. Great way to start the day. Thank you for coming along today. Appreciate all of our radio listeners, and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.